Amen. You may be seated. So glad you're here. So good to see you here this morning. Even when we don't see Him, we can trust Him. Even when we don't know all the ins and outs, guys, we can trust Him. I want you to hear that this morning. I want you to know that, that even in the behind the scenes and in the chaos and in the, the broken world that we find ourselves in, God is at work. We don't always understand it. We don't always, we can't put our, put our hands and wrap our minds always around what God is doing. But God knows completely what he's doing. If I'm not dead, then he's not done. You hear that? If he's not dead, if you're not dead, he's not done. God's not finished with you this morning. You believe that? God is, God is not finished with any one of you in this room, period. The enemy is the one who comes to us and says that, hey, you've messed up. You're a failure. There's no way. There's no way God can use you. There's no way. But God doesn't say that to you. At no point does God say that to you. God is, is he woke you up this morning. He gave you this day. He gave you that breath. He has a plan for you, specifically tailored just for you. This past Wednesday night, I was over in the book of Matthew. Go there with me, Matthew chapter 26. I'll bring you up to speed. We're reading the Bible together as a church. and um, Just reading through the uh, Life 260 reading plan, that's all it is, and we're working through it as a church. If you look there in your bulletin, you'll see there inside that block the, the verses. That's where we will be reading into next week to just give you an idea, to bring you up to speed. We've been over in the New Testament for a little while now, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, reading through the Gospels, and uh, this past Wednesday night, we're here on Wednesday, I want to invite you to come on Wednesday, love to have you, 6 o'clock in here. We were talking about Peter, you know, Peter's always a good example, he's always a good example of us, because we look a lot like Peter, and here in this little snippet, this little, uh, really, almost, almost today, almost today, we see in Christ's life, we see in the disciples' life, we see in specifically Peter's life, we see the roller coaster that, that looks so much like us, so much like me, it's pitiful. He starts out here, uh, we, we have to jump over into John to find uh, another portion of it, but looking here at Matthew chapter 26, beginning verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike down the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Notice this, church, but Peter said to him, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. You ever said something like that to God? Have you ever in your repentance and in your, in your coming back to the Lord say something like, Lord, I'll never do it again? Have you ever done that? We all have, if we're honest. We're convicted, we're broken, we, we hear words and we're like, I'll never fall away. That's what Peter says here. Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you that this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, notice this, Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Have you ever been that bold? Have you ever been that passionate? Have you ever been that seemingly committed to the Lord that, hey, I'm on this mountain and it doesn't matter what comes at me, I am always going to walk step in step with you, King Jesus. You ever been there? I know I have. I really have. 
I found myself on missions. I find myself sometimes during vacation Bible schools. There's days on Sunday mornings I walk out of here. You ever just walk out feeling bulletproof? It's like, yeah, let's go. That's, that's how we are. But look what happens next. Notice, read on down, verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here a little while while Allah go over there and pray. And notice who he took with him, verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. We know Jesus here is in the garden of Gethsemane. He's praying to the Father. He prays these three times, and each time he says, my, Not my will, but yours be done. And he's brought along with him his inner circle. You know, Jesus had the twelve, and then he had his inner circle of Peter, James, and John. And then he had his beloved, which we find there standing with his mother there at the foot of the cross, John. Here, Peter, James, and John is with him there in the garden. And the one just moments before, what did, what did Peter say? Hey, Jesus, I will never leave you, even if I have to die for you. I ain't turning my back. Look at verse 40. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for an hour. The same Peter, have you ever done that? The same Peter who in, uh, in one moment is saying, Jesus, I will serve you. I will never run from you. The next minute we're sleeping on the job. He's reprimanded. Quickly, hold your finger there. Turn over to the book of John. Turn over with me to John chapter 18 and look at something with me. Very important. It, it's not recorded in Matthew but it is recorded over in the book of John. It's, it's just continuing on here of what happens. We know that Jesus gets up from prayer there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, look, my time is at hand. We know Judas is leading the, the Roman cohort his way to have him arrested. And notice what over in John chapter 18 Verse 10, Peter, this same Peter, remember, this is the Peter that one minute, I'll never leave you, Jesus, the next minute is sound asleep there in the garden. And here he is, he, he clocks back in and he shows back up, and in chapter 18 of the book of John, verse 10, he says this, Simon Peter then, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear, and the slave's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put the sword into your sheath. The cup which the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? Flop it back over to Matthew. Here we are. The same Peter, I'll never leave you, Jesus, is sleeping in the garden. And the next minute he shows back up and he pulls his, his technically, it's not a long light knife. It's not a, a David and Goliath kind of sword. No, he had, it's, it's a tiny knife, like an 18-inch knife. It's sort of a, like a dagger thing that he has on him. And he pulls that out and he goes at, and, and cuts off the ear. Of a Roman soldier. He's that bold. I'm back with you, Jesus. Here I am. I'm ready to fight for you. And he attacks. You ever been there? Ready to fight? Ready to take on hell with that water pistol you got? I'm ready. Notice, keep reading. Back over in Matthew. Matthew chapter 27. No, 26 there in verse 69. It reads this. Now Peter we know Jesus' timeline. This takes place quickly. This is all within a matter of hours. Every bit of this takes place. I'll never leave you. I will die if I have to. The next minute, Jesus says, look, 
Can you not stay awake for one hour as I pray? The next minute, Peter's ready to fight for him. Jesus here has been arrested. He has been carried into to Caiaphas' house. There is a trial going on in there. And Peter's sitting outside. Chapter, uh, chapter 22, verse 69, there's a trial going on inside the building. And Peter is outside listening. And look at what happens. Now, Peter was sitting outside the courtyard and a servant girl came to him and said you too were with Jesus the Galilean but he denied it before them all saying I do not know what you're talking about you ever done that when he had gone out of the gateway another servant girl saw him and said to him said to those who were there this man was with Jesus the Nazareth and again he denied it with an oath I do not know this man that's the second time who is this guy, y'all? This is the same Peter that only hours before said, I will die before I deny you. Already denied him twice. And again, he denied him. A little later, verse 73, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for even... The way you talk gives you away. Then he began, notice this, then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word which Jesus had said, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Have you ever found yourself in this place? I know I have. I have found, it's like a roller coaster. It's like I'm on fire. It's like I'm backsliding, falling away. It's like I'm on fire and the next minute I'm in the world. It's like, I'm, it's like Lord, I'm, I'm on, on the mountain with you and then I find myself over far, far away and it's like, oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death? And Satan takes that and he condemns every single one of us because if we're honest with ourselves, every single one of us probably live a pattern very similar to this. may not be with that frequency, but there's none righteous, no, not one. We all mess up, we all fall short, we all make mistakes, we, all, we let our mouth get really big, we let our, our pride get very big, we, we think way, way, way highly of ourselves. And we fall short, and the enemy is always there whispering. The enemy is always there whispering. Wednesday night, I pointed out here's the deal that God used him. Okay? Wednesday night, the point was in spite of all of these ups and downs of roller coasters, God still used this Peter. Praise God that we serve a God who, who overlooks. And, and do we sin? Romans 6, 1 says, Do we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We don't get away. We don't go off and say, Well, I can live how I want to. I can go find myself in this bad place because I know God's going to forgive me. That's wrong. But when we get away, we serve a God who understands. He knows our stature. He knows our frame. He knows that we're but dust desires us to be holy as he's holy and to walk in obedience to him but when we mess up here's the deal God we serve does not kick us out the God we serve does not give us what we rightfully deserve 
praise God, he still, he shows grace and he shows mercy and he shows a, a long-suffering that none of us can comprehend or imagine. But I want you to look at something there. Luke, Luke adds a verse. Luke adds a nugget that's very, very important for us to see here. Go with me over to Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, it, it gets us, it kind of turns the conversation away from where we were and on into to this morning. And guys, I want you to hear this. This is not one of those, I'm going to bounce around and I'm going to say a lot of stuff and I'm going to go to a lot of verses, but every person in this room really needs to hear this this morning. Is that, is that God... There's far more going on than what we just see. Okay? There's far more to this than just this flesh and, and just this little big ball. We think this earth is so big and all these 8 billion plus people that live on this ball. And we think we got money and we got power and we got influence and we got fame and we got stuff. And, and we think, wow, this is all it is. Guys, this is nothing. This is really little. We're really tiny in the, in the grand big scheme of things. And, and when we realize that and when we can step back away from, from this, this fairy tale that we find ourselves sort of wading through down here on this earth and when we see that the players are so much bigger and, and we're really nothing more than the pawns that are used in this massive big spiritual battle that's going on. See, Jesus understood it, and he says something over. He says something really, really important over in Luke chapter 22, and he says it to, this, to Simon. Just like John, we had to go to John to find out a nugget, to find out that Peter pulled the sword out and cut the ear off. You have to go over to Luke to find something that's very important that Jesus says here to Peter. And he says it down in Luke chapter 22. Look at verse 31. And this is right before, in the context, this is right before. And I'll read you and I'll show you where it is. But look at what Jesus says. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission. Very important. He's demanded permission to sift you like wheat. What is sifting? Well, they would take the wheat inside of its Inside of its hole, while it's still, it's not shaking at all. And they would take it and he would just shake it. He's sifting it. He, he, he's taking it and he's shaking it up. And Peter is being told here by Jesus that, look, Satan has demanded per permission to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brethren. Notice the context. Look at the next verse. But he said to him, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And he said to him, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today in death, lest till you have denied me three times. You see the context. Uh, Luke here gives us a nugget that, that the other gospel writers do not give. That right before Peter makes this bold statement, Jesus looks at him and says, Hey, look. The devil's asked for permission to sift you, to shake your faith, to, to kind of mess you up a little bit. But I prayed for you. 
Guys, this is so loaded and so powerful and so important. you got to go all the way back over into Job. Okay? Over in Job chapter 1. Turn there with me. There's something that happens over in Job chapter 1. I'm telling you, every bit of this is so important for us to get beyond and, and almost take our heads and pop it above the cloud and, and the lie and the... the, the the smoke and mirror game that Satan has us all trying to chase and figure out and trying to, I'm better than and she's better than and I'm more powerful than and I've got more money and my got more education and I'm better than and me, me, me. Guys, at the end of the day, none of that matters. The only thing that matters is, is my life and is your life being spent for Christ. How much we have and who's, who we are and, and, and the, the papers and the degrees and the influence and the salaries and how, how much we have in the bank account and how fast mine is and how much stronger mine and how much better mine. Y'all, that is all just a whole bunch of keeping us chasing and running away from what's most important. Go over to Job. And before we go there, I have to say this, because the oldest book in Scripture, Job, and just over 2,000 years ago, Jesus talking to Peter, and at the very end, when it's all said and done, it all references this same concept. Job chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. Now there was a day... When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord, notice this, notice who instigates. Notice who is in control. Notice at no point is the devil running around with his pointy-tailed pitchfork attacking God in heaven. No, basically, he shows up, he presents himself to the Lord, and God's like, not that God didn't know, but basically so the devil would have to admit and confess and give a reward because he is, at the end of the day, in total con under total control by the Father. Hey, devil, where are you been? Tell me. I need to know. Y'all, there's great power in that. Devil, devil ain't in control of nothing. Devil ain't controlling nothing. He ain't. He ain't. God's like, where you been? Roaming fro on the earth. And God said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Have you considered my servant Job? Verse 8, for, for there's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man fearing God and turning away from evil. And Satan answered the Lord, does, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth your hand now and, and touch all that he has and he'll surely curse you to your face. He's not, he's not making God do anything. He's not forcing God's hand on anything. God instigated. God, 
started the conversation. Hey, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan's like, well, look, Job just loves you because you blessed the fire out of him. I bet if you take your hand off of him, he'll probably turn and curse you to your face. Satan has no power. Satan is not some, some scary thing. He's at the mercy of the Lord. Because look at what Scripture says. Guys, our opinion is one thing, but the Bible trumps it. The Bible clearly says here, Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power only. Here's your parameters. Here's how far you can go and no further. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? God ain't lost the devil, okay? It's not like God's literally saying, where you been? I lost you for a while. No, it's like, hey, I need a report. You're under my authority. You have no control. I need you to submit to me, period. And look at what he says. Where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still, listen, he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. If you read the first part of Job, he was a righteous man. He was a good guy, was doing nothing wrong. I think we can all put ourselves at times in that Job position. And at times in that Peter position. 2,000 years ago, Jesus looks at Peter before Jesus goes into the garden and prays and he looks at Peter and he says, Hey, Simon, Simon, Satan has basically asked for permission to mess your world up. Jesus already knew it was coming. He's asked for permission to sift you like wheat. But listen, I prayed for you. The Savior of the world looks at one of his own and says, Look, the devil is coming at you, and he's asked for permission to come at you with everything he's got. And here's what I've done. I've already stood up and prayed for you that when, you're, when all of this is over, because it's going to be bad, that you don't lose your faith, that you stay strong, that, you, that, that when it's all said and done, you're able to return. Look at it. Look at it, what he says. Luke 22. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter, the war you're about to face is going to be real. The enemy is standing in the throne room of heaven, and he is accusing you. And he has asked permission to sift you. And when you turn back, 
strengthen your brothers. Guys, there's a war that is raging and there's an enemy who is... We do not get anywhere in Scripture that tells us those business meetings end. We do not get anywhere in Scripture that, see, see, here we are. We're sitting here and we're like, wow, I got a job and whoa, I got money and wow, my life is so big and important and, and I am the center of the universe when all the while there is this massive, God-sized, big spiritual battle going on behind the scenes of spiritual things and conversations and We think what he and she thinks about us really matters. We bought into the lie that as long as I wear the right clothes and have the right car and have the right amount of money, right degree, and I get the right crowd to attaboy me and pat me on the back and say, hey, you, we, you're somebody. Guys, none of that matters. Because there is a much bigger, much more cosmic, much more, I can't even explain, thing going on in the heavenly heavens. There's an enemy that is coming after you. And he is accusing you. And he is standing before the God even probably for all I know. I don't understand how it works, but possibly even now accusing us. Before the Father. Go to Revelations. Go to Revelation 12. Revelation chapter 12. Turn there with me. Look at this with me. Look at what is going on. The Bible says. Not our opinion says. Not what well, I've always heard. Or, or well this is what I think happens. This is what the Bible says. In Revelation chapter 12, beginning in verse 9, it says this, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with them. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Listen. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Church, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against each other. Our, our problem is not people. Your problem is not a human. Okay, if you got angst to get somebody, if you got a person that you just grit your teeth when they walk in and, you, and your stomach starts boiling and your head, you get a headache thinking about them, that's not, they're not your problem. The devil's your problem. At no point ever in your life, ever in recorded human history, has a human ever been the human problem. The enemy is Satan. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Go to Ephesians chapter 6, turn there, look at what Scripture says. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. This is what the Bible says. 
Your problem ain't people. Your problem's not somebody at work or school. It isn't that group or that girl or that guy or that man or that woman. No, your enemy's the devil, the Bible says. He's standing in the courtroom of heaven, even now possibly, accusing you of something. Probably that, hey, just like Peter, Lord, I'll never leave you. I'll die if I got to. Moments later, sleeping on the job. Next minute, all zealous, not doing the right thing, letting I'll do me do what me thinks is best. So I'm going to take my little sword out and cut this big old soldier's ear off. And Jesus looks at him and reprimands him. And that same bold, super spiritual guy in the face of three young girls looks at him and denies Christ three times. I can only imagine Satan. See there, and you're going to use that one? See there, you're going to use that one to lead your church? See there, you're going to use him? You're going to use her? This person that's lied to you? This person that come up and repented and said they'll never, never, never do it again? And there they are. Look, God, they're doing it again. Don't you see what they're doing? They're doing it again. Guys, your problem ain't people. Your problem is him. Bible says over in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of who? Your neighbor? Who? Your co-worker? Who? Your ma-in-law? Person that broke up with you? Person that got the job and the promotion and you didn't get Boss, co-worker that seems to always be out and gets you. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says to be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Guys, we don't fight people. The war's not against people. The war, listen, I'm going to be honest. The war's raging in one place. It's raging right here in the minds of all of you. It's irrational stuff. It's straight up irrational a lot of times. What are they going to think about me? What are they going to say? Oh, I'm not smart enough. I'm not qualified enough. Oh, well, they're going to look down at me. They're going to talk about me. They're going to call me out. What are they going to, what if, what if, what are they? I mean, all that, what in the world does it matter? If you ain't dead, he ain't done. If I'm not dead, then he's not done with me. If I'm not dead, then he's not done with me. God's not finished with us, church, in that throne room and in that courtroom. We know there is an accuser, but there's also someone else. Go over to 1 John chapter 2. You're like, well, Brother Shannon, how do I make it then? How do I get beyond? Accuser ain't going to stop. Bible says over in Revelation, day and night, an accuser of the brethren. He's constantly, constantly, constantly. But you know, just as often as the devil stands up and says, look at what she did. 
See, there she stood up in a church and she promised she would never. She stood, sat there in the pews and was convicted by your Holy Spirit and made a promise and made a commitment. And look, she done gone out and done it again. Verse 2, verse 1, chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is our propitiation. You're like, Brother Shan, what is propitiation? Propitiation, he's our mercy seat. He is our, he is our satisfaction. He is the one who completely satisfied the penalty that my sin and your sin rightfully deserved when Christ hung there on the cross. And said it is finished and the wrath of God was poured out on his body and he died there on Calvary. Your punishment, my punishment, everybody else's punishment. Look at what he says. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for all those who are in the world. Christ died for, the, for the, my rebellion. He died for my sin. He died for those days that I say, Lord, I'll never fail you. And then I go fall asleep. For when I'm ready to tackle hell with water pistol and then I'm denying him before the three little girls. And the devil's up there saying, hey, there he is again. There she is again. There they are again. They've done promised and look at what they're doing. God, they're failures out in the world. You're going to use them. Guys, we have an advocate who stands up for you. If you're a Christian, he stands up in that throne room of heaven. And he said, yes. Yeah, she messed up, but I've forgiven her. <laughs> yeah, Daddy, he, he messed up again, but I've done paid that penalty. Are you hearing that? Yes, Father, that accusation is true. But the punishment that they deserve, I've already paid that one too. The accuser is in the throne room of heaven accusing day and night and the advocate is standing up constantly for his children and saying, yes, but I have forgiven them. Yes, but I paid that in full. Yes, but I've done taken that. Guys, the lie is, the lie is, it's just that, it's just a lie. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Simon, Simon, the, the Satan has basically asked for permission to sift you like weed. And, and it's going to be bad. But when you turn again, I need, you to, I need your faith to be strong because you've got to go lead the brethren. Guys, God's not finished with y'all. Me, y'all, us. The lies we can't, the lies, well, what do they think? The lies, you're a mess up. The lies, you're no good. The lie is whatever the accuser is saying. But it's just that, it's just a lie. The father is looking over at the son and saying, yep, yeah, forgiven. They're mine. 
We're heirs and joint heirs of the King of kings and Lord of lords. The devil is the enemy, y'all. There may be some of you in this room this very morning that you know you 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 hear me you hear scripture you turn it in your lap you read it on the screen that we don't struggle against flesh and blood but the devil has got you so convinced and got you so caught up in the their stuff's shinier than my stuff and their stuff's fancier than mine and they get the attaboys and she gets the applause and he gets the raise and they get the promotion and their kids are faster and why can't mine start and mine's just as good and mine's prettier than theirs. And you see how it's all a bunch of mess? He's got us all doing what? Beating each other up. Because here's the deal. As long as we're fighting against each other, we're not fighting the true enemy. As long as we're at, at, at war with each other, as long as we're fighting flesh that the Bible clearly says isn't the problem, the enemy is, the, is Satan. Your enemy is Satan. Do you hear that? Not people. I'm not downplaying the hurt. I'm not downplaying the trial. I'm not downplaying you. I'm not playing it one bit. But God knew it. And He allowed it. And it's to make you stronger. To do what He needs you to do. He's not finished. He's not finished. 